How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Show your love by following us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our Facebook group at The Gays Are Revolting. Support our show and listen to bonus after shows by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod. Hi everyone! Hey. How are we all? Very good, very good. Where midsummer started, we've got the ball yes, rolling. Yeah, uh, you guys were all started with a bang. Where bang. the hell were you? <laughs> I was not at Carnival Day. It's the first one I've ever missed since I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a very good reason. Uh, I have fractured my arm. Oh. And you always uh, have some kind of injury. I know. My, remember, I did my leg only like six months yeah, ago. Yeah, literally. And I think when we first started the podcast, I'd done my elbow. This oh. is my shoulder. Yeah. Uh, okay. And it happened because I fell out of the bed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Why was, did you fall out of the bed, Thomas? <laughs> How did that happen? So I've been seeing this guy. It's very early days. But uh, he was fucking me so hard. Yeah. <laughs> he fucked me so hard, I flew off the bed, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and I landed with an outstretched over the back arm oh and have God. fractured the top of my. So it's. What it is is where the muscle connects to your bone. Mm-hmm, it's called yeah. a something or other fracture. Where the muscle connects <laughs> to the bone, the muscle has actually pulled a chunk of the bone Yo. off. <laughs> yeah, mm. sexy. I yeah. saw you post this. Uh, it's like the only time I've seen Tom use the green close friends. Oh yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah I was like, <laughs> what is this? Is he announcing an OnlyFans? I was What's like, happening? this has to be something salacious. Yeah. <laughs> Tom's limiting. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh my god. Well, Tom wasn't at Midsummer, but no. we all were. Oh, 
hell yes, yeah. Yes, we were. We will um, be sharing a few of those saucy moments mm-hmm. in our after show, as well as um, being a part of Midsummer Festival. Yes. 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 Our show in mm-hmm. literally two weeks. Yeah. February 7th. Oh my God, is it that soon? <laughs> yes. Get tickets, people. Get ready for it. Come see me be awkward. <laughs> Come see Tom's broken arm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll let you touch it. Oh my That's God, sexy. can you get a car? Actually, you know what? <laughs> I'm hoping to find someone to break the other arm. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, God. You should get one up. of those really typical gay black mesh. Oh my oh, god! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Get the mesh, mesh the top on one, but for your sling, yes. <laughs> and like a floral print on it. Oh my it. gosh! Uh, and of course, we also have a show coming up in Sydney. Ooh, Ooh. our first ever Sydney live show, which is Friday the twenty eighth of Feb at the Giant Dwarf Theatre in Redfern for a little thing Sorry. called Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> we also have yes. some very exciting guests, coming, guests coming, up. coming up. The first up one, Harriet Shing, who's a recurring guest. Yes. she's going to come talk to us about bushfires. Yes, of course she's. Uh, the, the Labour MP uh, yes. and leave us in give names for Gippsland uh, where mm. a lot of the bushfires have been yeah, very fountain of knowledge and we also have uh, the Rainbow Rebellion's Ali Hogg coming on today to talk about the new religious discrimination bill yes so mm. potential. Potential. potential hopefully that's yeah hopefully touch not word not happening at all but yeah. uh, important stuff that's to talk about nonetheless big episode this week guys let's get Thanks. into it woohoo Today we're joined by Harriet Shing once again, actually. Second Yay. appearance, Ooh. friend of the pod. <laughs> uh, Labour MP for Eastern Victoria and, um, yeah, reco- returning to our show. So thank you so much for coming back. Thank Yay. you so much for having me. It is this such is a joy so Longest back. relationship so, I've had. I know. <laughs> I know. We're officially friends without oh. benefits. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in, Harriet. Um, we loved having you so much last time and uh, so did our listeners. So we are absolutely thrilled to have you back. Although it's on a bit more of a sad note this time because we're going to be discussing the state of disaster, uh, which was officially declared by your government uh, a few weeks ago now. Um, now, we talked a little bit last week on our after show about the bushfires that have been uh, steering through Australia at an unprecedented level. Um, it's changing day to day. Where are we at today with it all? You are from, obviously, Gippsland, where a lot of this stuff's been happening. So as at today's date, mm. uh, we have seen the most wide-ranging weather patterns Mm. on record Mm. for the east of the state and for parts of the north of the state. Uh, In in the last 24 to 48 hours, parts of Gippsland that were the driest on record have had uh, around 100 mil of rain Mm. uh, in some of the most incredibly almost farcical weather conditions off the back of record dry spells in the region. Yes. So it has been from one extreme to the other. Mm-hmm. And these fires that got out of control uh, in November uh, last year have been burning largely through public land and mm. very, very remote scrubby land in mm. Gippsland. What we have seen, though, is that because things have been so dry, uh, the subsoil moistures are the lowest on record. It has never been drier than this. Uh, We've seen that there's been a ferocity in these fires that, Mm. that has absolutely defied predictions. It's taken a lot of people by surprise, even uh, in light of the most advanced modelling that we have on fire behaviour. We're seeing convective columns forming, which are these huge basically towers of fires that that, that throw embers kilometres ahead of a fire front. Uh, We've seen hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hectares Mm. burned. Uh, It's well over 900,000 hectares in Gippsland, um, uh, and and also up into the north of the state as well. So the Koryong area, areas that have been 
absolutely reliant mm. on tourism and visitor trade for the summer months for the busiest time uh, of their year to bring income in to, to last through mm. the colder months uh, is now is now in some cases non-existent so there have been cancellation rates in some parts of these areas of a hundred percent so there has been not just a huge change environmentally and ecologically but also in the communities where mm. these fires have been mm. burning and the most difficult and, and I think traumatic part about all of this is that we're very early in the summer season where this is this is not the end sure, of the, the end yeah. of the fire yeah. season we've got a long Oof. way to go we don't usually sort of start seeing catastrophic events until around about now but we've already seen some of the worst yeah. events of the fire season and it's only just really starting absolutely these are unprecedented steps that are being taken now they show that in many ways we've come a long way since the events of black saturday when 173 people in victoria lost their lives mm. um, but we are seeing that despite the fact that we're getting much better at communicating and mm. issuing notifications and alerts that we're getting better at distributing information and making sure that people mm. don't um, necessarily think that there's a choice uh, that that's on equal footing around whether you should decide to stay or stay go, that or you go. should in fact now just leave. Yeah. We're also still seeing that there's a need to make sure that people are aware of the very real risks that the second time around we had a much higher evacuation rate, particularly East Gippsland. So Gippsland is mm. very, very big and yeah. not all of it has been fire affected mm. directly, but there's been a big impact in tourism, obviously. But uh, to make sure that people were taking these threats seriously, there are a lot of people who I think have previously tended to downplay risk or to overestimate their ability to Get survive really yeah. dangerous defend, situations yeah. in mm. firestorms and in in uh, in circumstances where it is exceptionally difficult to survive. Unfortunately, we've seen five fatalities associated with this fire season in Victoria. It's been completely devastating for the people who mm. have been involved in those fatalities or provided comfort uh, or assistance to those people before they passed away. Um, we've also seen, however, on the flip side of all of this tragedy mm. and trauma and stress and exhaustion, because the exhaustion is a mm -hmm. huge compounding factor in this, that communities have rallied together like Absolutely. just yes. about never before. And we've seen the whole state, uh, the whole country and indeed the world turn Worldwide, its yeah. mind to and helping mm. In meaningful and practical ways, we're not talking about thoughts and prayers here. Yeah. Well, not not for some of us. Compounding <laughs> cash. We're but talking oh. about dollars We're too. talking about money. That's yeah. right. Yeah. We're talking about money, but also where people don't necessarily have the means to donate money. We're talking about time mm. and people volunteering their time, mm. whether that's to cook meals or to help people to fill in forms or to suggest that um, their friends and family go on a holiday mm. to these areas that are now yeah. really struggling yeah. with income. Mm -hmm. Th mm. These are the sorts of things that have made all the difference. We're seeing everything from wildlife carers and rescuers come to the fore and work days and days without sleep to mm. people who've assisted with evacuation efforts, right down to story time for little kids mm. and yeah. comforting people who are in high distress mm. uh, and who have been really traumatised by what's happened uh, in the course of these most recent weeks in the fire season. Some of the mm. things you even forget that people need and is useful. So a friend was doing a like donation drive because her family was affected by it and was just using her, her local cafe as like a 
space to drop things off. And mm. I said, oh, what? I'm a 30-year-old homosexual. I have three douches and... and scarves. <laughs> many scarves. Many, many scarves. How can I help? And, and she was like, bottles of water, mm. sanitary products, products like yeah. feminine sanitary products were like in high demand over mm. there because they just couldn't get these products out yeah. to people. And it, it was is, just amazing to yeah. be like, oh, you don't even think I can contribute in these these yeah. other ways than... Um, yeah. It is... Um, has been awful watching the, the rolling news of all the stuff that's been happening but there is all that silver lining mm-hmm. of these beautiful stories of um, people coming out to sort of help yeah. and we have seen like the big stories of celebrities around the world mm-hmm. donating you know vast amounts of money but then there's also beautiful little stories about people I don't know within our own community um there's been nights like Poof Doof ran a night where they donated all of the proceeds. Um, Circuit had a massive night that they managed to put together in just a, a few yeah, days. Yeah, a lot of people I think they raised something like $30,000 on... We saw Ruby Slippers mm. like a oh, few yes. weeks ago yeah. and she was doing mm. a show to raise funds for um, a wildlife charity and just said, come up and chuck whatever you got in my little garter belt. Yeah. And Dressed I swear, as a sexy koala. She was a sexy koala. <laughs> it was like heaven. Incredible <laughs> show. I'd never seen people throw so much money on a stage mm. before, yeah. wow. you know. The garter wasn't big enough. Yeah. It wasn't. It was <laughs> just races. falling out yeah. everywhere. And, and and look, the audience was predominantly lesbian, so they have like a better <laughs> community sense, I think. We'll all be have. off building habitat boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a voucher yeah. for my <laughs> services. I'll help. Yeah, but, um, it was a, a beautiful night. And I think seeing the community, mm. even when we're like a marginalized or mm. usually disenfranchised mm. part yeah. of the community, all come together and say, you know what, we're going to do something for this. That really is a hallmark of our community Mm. though, isn't it? And Mm. to see that we have been able to contribute that the rainbow dollar and the rainbow ear and the rainbow shoulder (laughs) have all been available. (laughs) The rainbow garter belt. But to see that it's, been a really unifying process not just for the various parts of our communities but also more broadly when we see people coming together from the Sikh community combining with the local Catholic church combining with the local bowls club combining Mm. with the local coffee shop Mm. we see that in these times of need we've had strike teams of first responders uh, emergency firefighters SES workers not just in defending towns and property and houses Mm. and people from these violent red skies Mm, and these firestorms that have swept through this area and left nothing but Mm. black and grey behind. But we've also seen in the aftermath of that, being able to get in and to clear roads, the partnerships that have occurred with forestry workers, with uh, the Defence Force, with local government. We've seen people behind the scenes. Even, I mean, I was um, last week up in some of the worst hit areas where again it is it's it's like a nuclear bomb's been dropped onto parts of it it's the trees have disappeared in places because of the intensity of the heat with which patches of this fire or these fires have burned there are still people working around the clock Mm. behind the Mm. scenes logistics Mm. people keeping crews fed or setting up base camps these sorts of things that are happening to make sure that monies continue to be spent in these towns or that grants and relief can get through to brigades as well as combating a lot of that 
pride that often mm. prevents people mm. in isolated communities uh, from actually accepting help. So mm. saying to people, we really need you to take these grants, even if it's not for yourself, yeah. do it so that you can create a stimulus effect in your local community. Mm, totally. And that is then a way to perhaps shift some of that resistance mm. so yeah. that people are more open to accepting what's on offer off the back of not just a huge donation drive for those essential items, but also care and support and the grants that are available mm -hmm. at state and federal levels mm. and the opportunities as we continue a really painful recovery and rebuilding process to make sure that we're taking care of everybody's needs in all ways whether it's you're hard a to little have time and space for prejudice mm. in a state of an emergency you know what i mean mm. like, there's no spot on. there's no room for that when mm. our country is on fire yeah so i think when you're offering help and you're involved in something even on our side of the the sort of Spectrum, we have to let go of a lot of our our mm. pride and a lot of our prejudices and say, no, yeah. I need to chip in and I need to do what I can mm, for this yeah. and affiliate with, mm. you know, people that maybe we would have some sort of yeah. biased against mm. originally. Absolutely. So. And there's, a there's um, I, I'm not afraid of saying that I think my face is probably on a fair few dartboards out in that part of the world. <laughs> yeah. I apologise yeah. for that, Harriet. <laughs> it's okay. I it didn't know what else to do with her. <laughs> and Harriet, you were saying before with, with the partnerships like the Defence Force. Um, we've all seen the videos and photos online of people being trapped, like thousands of people being trapped on beaches awaiting rescue from the Defence Force. What is the reality of a situation like that? Well, that has been, again, another extraordinary set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. When you look at what happened in Malakuta, firstly, there was an evacuation to mm. try to get as many people out as possible. Secondly, when people were eventually led to the beach uh, it was after a lot of planning and mm. discussion it was a case of keeping everybody calm keeping everybody together yeah. and keeping everybody as informed as possible mm -hmm. in these circumstances and this is very much why having a plan is so important mm, yeah. for a major event in a fire prone area um, so when panic takes over and when your adrenal gland is screaming yeah, and when everything crazy. in your oh, fight flight response yeah. yeah, no, I was talking about a fire situation, but sure. <laughs> um, but but when it, when you when you are in that situation, it's very easy to panic and mm. to either freeze or to forget entirely what you thought the plan yeah. was. And so this is again another really important opportunity for people mm. off the back of what happened mm. in Malakuta and in other communities mm. as well. We're looking at um, at Buchan, at Bruthen, at, at Genoa, at Can River, up at Orbost, up in Coriong, up in the states north. There were um, people gathered on a reserve that was basically an opportunity for everyone to be together while while people kept the fire at bay. Mm. We all saw the photos. Everyone yeah. has seen these iconic images. Yeah. images. And again, in Just New South Wales, um, we've seen the same thing. In South Australia, the same thing. Yeah. These are these are situations which point, as the Premier said, to, to a new normal yeah. in, in the environment <clears throat> that we're dealing with. That's the scary thing, isn't it? Just for our international listeners or people that aren't f that familiar with, with the area, can you just describe a little bit about Malakut the layout of Malakuta and the road access and why everyone ended up on the beach and, and, and how they got off? Absolutely. 
so Mallacoota is uh, a an absolutely stunning part of Victoria, and I, I say that because firstly I'm completely biased, <laughs> <laughs> but secondly because it is absolutely world renowned for its flora and fauna oh, yeah. and it pristine conditions. Absolutely, yeah. it's it's got some of the most wonderful fishing and boating and walking opportunities that anyone could ever want. It's very close to national and state parks, so it is surrounded by very very dense undergrowth and canopy or it was until recently Mm. it's an area which is also one road in one road out and by that i mean that you have to drive for about 10k and sorry 10 kilometers for our international listeners i'm (laughs) not going to convert that into miles (laughs) for anyone in portland who wants to know (laughs) Um, but what it does mean is that uh, once you're in you're in and so therefore to evacuate in situations where there's where there are there are many many trees where tree fall in situations like that is a very, very significant risk means that the only way out Mm. is by air or by sea. And that's exactly what needed to happen. The vast majority of people who were evacuated from uh, Mallacoota needed to go on the HMS Chules um, and to then... A lot of dogs, in fact, went yes. on the tools as well, mm. uh, and to then make their way back. I don't even know why I mentioned that. There's I do because you love dogs and I love dogs, yeah. and I was watching that, thinking, "Thank God," because if I was in that situation and evacuating, I wouldn't be able to leave my dog. Yeah. And, and I was is, so happy yeah, that the navy was on the ships of like all the pets yeah. in the area. <laughs> I was so right. happy that the navy would have to take. But yeah. I mean, again, this is the very human element of this mm. sort of disaster when people are being forced to make really really difficult decisions mm. um, the last thing you want to be doing is to mm. saying to someone you're going to have to choose to leave your dog behind mm. or be evacuated They're, They're these stay. are the yeah. sorts of situations that happen on the fire ground a lot it's been again so traumatic for you know not just people in Mallacoota a number of whom or many of whom were tourists and visitors mm. But also for people in other parts of East Gippsland, again, just it's it's absolutely stunning, breathtaking landscape, mm. and the the biodiversity there was and and hopefully will again be magnificent. But when you're talking about people whose livelihoods are based in livestock, mm. uh, are based in animals, dairy farms, for mm. example, you can't stop milking your cows because there's a bushfire. Mm. You can't leave your animals and not have a plan. So many, you know, so many people had amazing plans and came back to find their livestock had miraculously survived. But in many cases, it was a question of cutting the fences and and cutting the manes of horses and plaiting their tails and hoping for the best. And lots of incredible stories of survival, but again, so much loss and so Mm. much devastation as well. And that will take a very long time to, to work through and to enable people to be resourced to recover from. And so we're talking about all um, everyone evacuating with their pets, but also the native animals. How many animals have we actually lost and what could be the potential consequences of that? So I'll, I'll distinguish between livestock on the mm-hmm. one hand and native animals yeah. or wild animals yeah. on the other. So uh, livestock, the losses whilst they have been uh, significant, are not nearly as bad as Black Saturday. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Commonwealth Government did bring in around 100 vets to wildfire-affected areas around Australia Mm -hmm. to not just assess but to euthanise and treat livestock um, after the the immediate threat had passed. Mm -hmm. When it comes to wildlife, we've got threatened and vulnerable species and Mm -hmm. native, um, native fauna, there have been some estimates going around of about a billion um, species um, 
yeah. individuals lost wow. uh, through through the fires that have burned across Australia in this fire season. Mm. However, that's yeah. modelling. Mm -hmm. So it's in fact really difficult to be able to say with yeah. certainty what the total numbers are. We know that there are populations of animals that have in fact done okay in these mm. horrific environmental mm -hmm. circumstances wombats for the example the stories with the wombats and yeah, their tunnels debunk oh, or yeah prove. okay so can let's yeah. talk like, about wombats go, go, for a <laughs> can we go <laughs> love wombats very, on very this very big yes. fan, very big fan of wombats um, but let's not go anthropomorphizing yeah. this <laughs> yes. into um, a a, a Humanitarian. A wombat version of, of uh, My Heart Will Go On. Because <laughs> I would watch Well, you yeah. know, I know you yeah. would. And it would be a great Pixar yeah. special and maybe someone should do it. But I, I, yeah. I also think it's really important that um, that we stop and get some facts around yeah. wombats. Yeah. So wombats create multi-chambered mm -hmm. burrows. Whoever, so. So can I just say, whoever thought we'd be getting wombat yeah. information really? from the gays are revolting. <laughs> I'm up for in. it. The lesbian talks about wombats. <laughs> <laughs> I am here for it. <laughs> well, they've got a low centre of gravity. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of common. A lot of real estate, very <laughs> determined. <laughs> so... <laughs> Putting aside me, um, <laughs> no, but but wombats in fact um, have multiple chambers in the dens yeah. that mm -hmm. they build. They will have multiple entrances, and it's in fact not uncommon to find other species in wombat burrows. Yeah. So there can be snakes, there can be lizards, there can be other small marsupials in wombat burrows, and they have been found to be using them simply because it's a convenient mm. place to they hang out. Yeah, they don't herd. Animals they didn't have oh yeah, I didn't think that was true. <laughs> so um, I hate to burst anyone's bubble, but I suspect that in the event that a fire situation became an immediate threat, a wombat would mm. head to safety being its burrow. Yeah. And that if other animals perhaps saw that animal heading to ah, safety, right. they and might they think follow. that it might be a useful mm. idea to follow yeah. and yeah. to get out of danger. We also see that other species like echidnas mm -hmm. have uh, a, a coping mechanism for their um, for, for wildfire as well. They've got really wonderful claws for digging so uh, they so can they actually bury down, themselves. Yeah. There are a few echidnas out there with spines that have been burnt right back. <gasps> Spines, in fact, are actually hair, yeah. modified yeah. hair. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, I mean, there are a few uh, echidnas out there with crew cuts, but unfortunately... <laughs> <laughs> so, Once again, back to a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. They're not all called Bev or Trish, but... <laughs> um, but, uh, no, the, the awful fact of the matter is, though, that when fire is burning at this intensity mm. and moving at this speed, we saw fire moving between 20 and 30 kilometres a night mm. at night time. So that's, geez. again, fire doesn't usually behave that way overnight. Mm. It, it will usually slow in its pace uh, and that's when a lot of containment and defensive work can happen. Mm -hmm. uh, but but we've seen fire behave in, in just extraordinary ways, running up and down hills uh, mm. at, at, a, at a speed and a ferocity yeah. that would make it hard for so much wildlife to, to escape from. And so, unfortunately, we've seen devastation in many of our native animal populations. The extent of that will become clear as people can get With in time. to do surveys. Mm -hmm. But then we've also got um, the other side of this, which is uh, the feral animal and pest animal um, mm -hmm. population. So after Black Saturday, there was a huge explosion in the population of deer. Oh. Uh, and one species of deer, which uh, which came out from, or was native to India, the sambar deer, oh. they've got uh, really, really thick skin and they mm. breed and in fact raise uh, their fawns initially in under cover of blackberries because in India, you've got to oh. look out for tigers. Right. 
Right. So after Black Saturday, there was a huge explosion in the the volume of weeds, and um, yeah. and that includes obviously blackberries. So there was a, a massive increase in the amount of blackberries there, which provided a lot of cover for the sandbar. Right. So the knock-on effect from that uh, has led in part to a deer population, which before these fires was about one million uh, for Victoria. Jeez. So they are a huge problem. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I also saw people dumping like carrots and sweet potatoes and stuff out of helicopters. Well, we've we've yeah. begun uh, doing that work in Victoria. There are a few things to process around uh, aerial drops of. Yeah, food. I was like, that would be kind of terrible. Like, terrifying. Knocking things out. Like, that's quite yeah. heavy to throw out a helicopter. Well, you don't want to get donked on the head with a yeah. sweet potato. <laughs> no, but, Jesus. Uh, one of the things that that has to be done very very carefully in all of this, particularly uh, in areas which have recently had a lot of rain, is to make sure that we're not bringing pest mm. species in, right, that yeah. we're not creating areas where, where prey can, in fact, identify that animals are coming in for a feed, therefore they're easy pickings, True. but also to make sure that animals are getting the right food mm-hmm. in the absence of what they would usually, usually eat. eat. So yeah. things like um, macropod pallets, so um, <laughs> basically for, for, for wallabies, yeah. um, and look at those sorts of opportunities. Melbourne Zoo has been um, helping with identifying the best sort of food. Carrots um, and sweet potato work for wombats. They mm-hmm. are no, um, they are food which uh, is it's not usually what they eat, but um, they, it's pretty close. They to can it. they can, well they they naturally like to eat roots and tubers mm-hmm. and oh, you know, mm. yeah that's that oh. sort of thing. So there are many organisations in the wildlife space that are doing a power of good. Wildlife Vic uh, is mm. one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoos Victoria is another. Wires has been set up with the New South Wales funding, uh, but has also indicated that they will be providing a proportion of their donations to Victoria. To but Victoria, again, it's just about getting involved. Um, we, we, we've we seen that there have been people knitting in the UK, yes. making yeah. pouches. The and, Women's Institute in the UK. And yeah. the, the Knitters and Crafters Guild yeah. uh, had you know, a, a just under 5,000 people uh, making pouches. So it's there beautiful. is a huge amount of goodwill. Absolutely. We have to channel it in the right direction. Yeah. My friend didn't come to Midsummer Carnival because she went to a workshop Aww. making pouches. Oh, lovely. <laughs> oh, that lovely. is the so most midsummer like, thing I have yeah. ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, is that where everyone is? Yeah, yeah. Am I at the wrong festival? <laughs> so we've had some pretty hazardous uh, air quality covering Melbourne over the last couple of weeks. And for any anyone not familiar with the, the state of Victoria, uh, the bushfires are occurring actually quite a few hours drive from Melbourne. But seeing the smoke haze, it suddenly felt very real to a lot of people in the city. Um, it's sort of a tangible sign, I guess, of climate change in a way that we've never really seen before. How do you think this is going to affect public opinion on climate change in the future? One of the things that we have seen with the bushfires and with fire in general is that it hasn't simply been confined to regional areas. And we've mm. seen that grass fire in mm. areas where people didn't used to live yeah. uh, is now an increasing threat. Oh, we saw the Werribee and, Gorge. Yeah. We've mm. seen Bandura. There have been challenges for uh, people who live in suburbia in mm. managing fire mm-hmm. risk. And this is a really big challenge uh, for governments of all persuasions. It's also a really significant opportunity for people to stop the three-word slogan rhetoric 
bashing idea of it being one particular stakeholder's mm. fault mm. Uh, that these fires are occurring with this intensity. We know that fuel reduction burning does some work to reduce the intensity of fire, but yep. we also know that fire has the capacity in these environmental circumstances to burn at a rate and with a ferocity that we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. And this is not because of a particular process in managing the amount of fuel in a landscape. This is because of a combination of factors around record dry spells, record heat waves, and record low moisture in the soil. So we're seeing that wherever there might be a bit of rainfall, that uh, we get any new growth of mostly weeds, but sometimes saplings, trees, and, and you know, in, in built-up areas, hay, pasture, mm -hmm. fodder, uh, that in fact this dries off very, very quickly, mm. that it doesn't take long for that to brown off and to cure and then to, to uh, be ferocious when it burns. Mm. And mm. so we have an opportunity now, I think, as, uh, as a society to really confront the reality that we're dealing with here, mm. namely that climate change is in fact exacerbating the impact of fire in mm -hmm. our landscape. That it is a real thing as well. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I still can't quite believe yeah, that there I are know. people... I know it's uh, silly to say. Who, but no, you, you make a really good point. There are still people who believe that climate change is part of the ebbs and flows mm. of temperature throughout the ages. Or and purely propaganda as yeah. well. Mm. Yeah, no, that's right. And don't don't give your kids vaccinations either. Yeah. <laughs> one, of those, one of those things. Like, please don't misquote me on that because I think everyone should vaccinate their children. Yeah. But it's it's one of those one of those things that uh, we are seeing uh, almost an idea whose time has come. We've mm. seen a groundswell in the populations of not just Australia but around the world calling for meaningful action mm. on climate change and calling for an end to hyperbole that's really mm. about getting out of a tricky question yep. that yes. a journalist might ask rather than in fact tackling emissions and looking out to a world that we want to have our children and grandchildren grow grow up in rather than uh, what is rapidly becoming the only option which is a, a world that's going to be largely unrecognisable mm. yeah. in temperature, in climate extremes, uh, in weather patterns and also in, in the risks and the, the challenges to human populations mm. and communities that, that go with that. This is not a one and done situation kind yeah. of thing, mm. these fires. And a, a phrase that has sort of sprung up in the last, I don't know, the last month or so and has been huge at, at my work has been eco-anxiety that we're now working on projects and, and working with other people within the mental health community targeting this new term called eco-anxiety because mm. of things like the smoke haze that has come through Melbourne, yeah. that uh, a whole generation of people are actually extremely anxious and extremely nervous about the environmental future mm. of the planet we mm. live on. Yeah. And it's no longer something you can boil down to some rhetoric or, or brush away. Yeah, we want solid answers. Mm. Yeah. But it's yeah. also about the uh, the extent to which the impact of major volatility in our climate is being felt. If you're living in a city where you have all of the best and most modern conveniences mm. at your doorstep. The most livable city in the, the world, apparently. Second. Se oh, was it yeah. second? Like, I'm, sure the smoke, I'm sure the smoke got to yeah, Vienna. Yeah, not great. But, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't, people don't like but, that. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but but one of the things that has been really interesting in what's happened with the smoke exposure and with the the hazardous air quality that we've experienced in major cities around Australia since the fires began and and for the first time I think that the impact of large scale natural disaster is being felt mm. by significant mm. parts of the population yes and these are people who vote these are people who make consumer choices these are people who will hopefully remember the discomfort mm. when it comes to the choices that they make as consumers as voters as parents as uh, as workmates yeah. that's right as people who are able still to have an impact on the decisions that we make now because there is a window and we have an opportunity, but it is about galvanizing that discomfort. It's about leaning into the fact that for many, many days, people were unable to breathe properly because of the way in which we are living in the scale that we live. Mm. Even people were Mm. like... Bunnings was selling out of the P2 masks and people yeah. had to order them online from mm, Amazon. Yeah. You, you mentioned voters briefly in there. I want to ask you a bit of a bold question. Do you think our federal government has a lot to answer to in regards to this bushfire season? I think there are a lot of people within government, the yep. whole organ of the Commonwealth government, who are trying to mm-hmm. effect change. To that end, I think that we need to encourage that work to continue. Mm-hmm. I do, however, think that the Commonwealth Government has steadfastly refused to acknowledge the reality of climate change and the importance Mm. of taking action in a meaningful way that involves something other than relying on carryovers uh, and buybacks of credit to meet Kyoto Protocol targets. I think that we need to really begin to hold leaders to account. We've seen a lot of salty language on Twitter and Facebook Mm. recently from community members who were invited to shake hands with the Prime Minister, uh, whose anger and dismay and rage was was absolutely palpable. Mm. We've seen a lot of people feel very, very neglected. And I think that speaks to a number of things. It speaks to, again, that refusal to even engage in the subject Mm. matter of climate change. Mm. It speaks to the refusal to either be present um, actually or by perception physically, quite literally Mm, be present in the country, country. Uh, it speaks to the refusal to engage in the idea of leadership. I think the Prime Minister is struggling with the idea of being in the leader's chair, in the Prime Minister's chair, rather than being at the helm of a Liberal opposition. Mm. Yes, It's, It's again very easy to say that everything is Labor's fault. It's much harder to, in fact, demonstrate leadership uh, Mm. without an Mm. empathy consultant, to demonstrate compassion, to be present, to listen to people's views without concluding that it's not necessary to take them personally. I... I really struggled with that comment when the when the Prime Minister indicated that firstly he didn't hold the hose mate and then decided yeah. that that possibly wasn't such a good media line no. to run, but then came back and said, uh, I, I don't take these things personally. I'm actually of the belief that you need to take yeah, these sort be of taking them personally, yeah. that, that in fact when you are sitting in a position of this responsibility and this capacity to effect change when that opportunity exists then i think it's also something that comes with a responsibility to take things personally Mm. Mm. that you have to be personally invested 
in what you're doing. And, and that speaks to, I think, the importance of conviction politics. People are sick of hearing from politicians who will, uh, who will give a, a glib one-line response to something. Mm-hmm. It's about acknowledging, I think, the trauma and the building frustration and also the delays that yeah. we've seen. Uh, and we know that once resources are galvanised, once we, we saw the ADF uh, work spring into action that it was nothing short of magnificent to see what was achieved and what was accomplished with that expertise and those partnerships Mm. it really does uh, show us that when different levels of government can work together when they can put aside the bitching and the moaning and and the 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 cheap pot shots Mm. that incredibly important and useful and practical things can be done to improve people's lives at a time where desperation and stress are at their highest. Mm, mm. Uh, you mentioned uh, some of the blame that's been thrown at the Labor Party and uh, we have seen a lot of blame being thrown around and some of it is valid and some of it seems very unvalid. We've, we've seen climate change, obviously, is one of them. Arsonists is another one. The heavily debunked anti-backburning Greens lobbyists is one of them. Oh, that was and crazy. And the, uh, the gays as well, Israel Folau oh. blames the gays. Oh, yes, of course. So. Look, I wonder sure what he thinks about the, the hail over Parliament yeah, House. Yeah. Same-sex <laughs> marriage yeah, was, that was one the of the, the causes. And look, yeah. some of those things obviously have played a factor and some of them haven't. I'm, I'm wondering, with the, the recently announced uh, Federal Royal Commission as well as the state's inquiry, will that be looking into who or what was responsible or is it more looking at what to do in the future? The interesting thing about a Royal Commission at a federal level is that it comes off the back of dozens of inquiries mm. into fire services, fire services reform, uh, what bushfires look like, how they behave, what should be done about them and what the opportunities are to learn from that. We had a Royal Commission in Victoria after the Black Saturday bushfires uh, and that led to a number of the things which have in fact absolutely saved lives this mm. time around. Mm. But there are a lot of critics about a Royal Commission, a further Royal Commission uh, at a federal level when in fact uh, we run the risk of going over the same old territory without necessarily developing any new solutions. Mm, We run the risk of getting back into that blaming and shaming and naming Mm. and of other agendas that might be operating in a way that's counterproductive, in Mm -hmm. a way that doesn't actually materially or practically help communities uh, who are are at risk or help with the way in which we set up systems to do a better job. Again, I think also to thank everyone out there in listener land uh, who has been part of contributing, donating, helping with time and effort and energy toward these bushfires and and to helping the people who are affected. Thank you. Uh, And also to those who are planning on trips to bushfire affected communities, not just those which have been directly burned, but those who have lost bookings, who Mm. don't see the foot traffic, whose bakeries are full of goods and empty of customers. Mm. Please um, get your eskies out. Empty esky campaign campaign is a wonderful thing. I would actually really encourage we lesbians can build our own eskies. <laughs> Pack up the Subaru, we're going. <laughs> but, but it's one of those things where I would really, really encourage everyone mm. to think about how you can be part of this recovery effort mm. in a delicious way and I'm to plan your trips. Pies. The yes. pies. See, mm. and, and a rural bakery does nothing pies. better. But oh. also, if you can't actually get to these places, there are virtual ways to help as well. Mm. And this is where online platforms, things 
things like It's My Shout. The Empty Esky campaign has also enabled people to uh, to access goods via online marketplaces. Mm-hmm. These are goods which uh, people in really small communities are producing. There, there has been an amazing example um, of a uh, one particular restaurant and cafe hasn't been able to open. Uh, it's it's lost all of its trade. It's just finished renovations, but they make a great alpine sauce. It's a barbecue yeah. sauce. They've oh, now yeah. sold 2,000 <gasps> bottles wow. of it to help keep money coming through the door. This oh, is the fantastic. power of cons- yes. being, yeah. a, being a responsible consumer. So head along to um, the Empty Esky campaign or mm. to It's My Shout or to any of the other opportunities that are out there to, to eat delicious things and mm. have them delivered yeah. to your door because we make the most amazing, mm. amazing <laughs> food. I mean, again, it's not a first-term spare tyre for me. It's quite literally <laughs> eating my way around the region. But it's also about, um, you know, discovering what we have. Yeah. We have microbreweries. We have gin distilleries. We have coffee houses. We have the mm. most amazing free-range egg producers and jams and preserves and sauces. Mm. and You name it, and it's at its most delicious in regional Victoria. So when you're thinking about planning your holiday, can Ibiza and come to <laughs> regional Victoria... And see what it's all about because yeah. it is absolutely glorious. Mm. But most importantly, you'll be able to have some major feel-good points by helping communities to get back on their feet in a, in a way which preserves dignity but also demonstrates really clear love and support and for people in yeah. a time of need. Mm. And we're so happy that you accepted our second invitation back. Yeah. It doesn't happen to us very often. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to proposition you. you again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, can, to have you I back. would love to come back if I can yeah, if I can be your random gal pal. Oh yes. yes. We yeah. love having you listen to you I all day. Absolutely love to come back and shoot the breeze about mm, fantastic. any sort of range. Of we'll have to back, have you back in a few months and we can hear about all the fantastic things that have been happening. Yeah. Mm. And, and I would love to hear about everything that you've eaten. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Our we'll have a check in. But yeah Thank you so much. It's a joy. It's an absolute privilege oh, to thank hang out you, with Harry. you all. And thanks so much for oh, being part of it. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, so today we're joined by Ali Hogg, uh, who works in communications at Queer Spaces and is also part of the Rainbow Rebellion. Ali, thank you so much for joining thank us. You. Thank you for coming um, in. Just to start off, can you tell us a bit about the history of the Rainbow Rebellion? 
So Rainbow Rebellion kind of came out of the marriage equality campaign. It's one of the things that we expected that the marriage equality campaign went for several years and once we won marriage equality, we knew that it was not going to be the end of it. It wasn't Mm. the end of the story. So we started a new group that was a lot broader. So we called it Rainbow Rebellion so it wasn't specifically about marriage equality. So we can fight it about all the different things that mm-hmm. they might throw at us. Yeah. And they just happened to throw at us uh, religious freedom bills. Mm-hmm. So then we organised the first rally around that and now we're about to have our third. Well, they're lucky to have you because I have to say, I think throughout the marriage equality campaign, I don't know of a person that worked harder than you did mm-hmm. yourself. Can you just tell us a bit about your background working on the campaign with, that, with marriage equality? Yeah, so I was a queer officer in 2004 at the Victorian College of the Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the student union. I got an email saying um, we're organising a rally in response to the government changing the Marriage Act. I was a part of organising a student contingent of art students Mm -hmm. and that wasn't hard to do. (laughs) Um, But saying that, it was a tiny rally. Um, There was less than 100 people there. Really? I became the convener in 2009 Mm. and stayed the convener until the end. That must have been incredibly taxing for you. I just, I remember like we got to the point where it felt like we were marching every few months and and you guys were doing so much of the organising of that. Was that insane It was definitely taxing and yeah, yeah, we've all had some crazy ass health issues (laughs) along the way. Yeah, I don't know how we've we've managed to still be standing today mm. and especially over the years where we saw the postal survey in 2017 it yeah. was yeah. really hard but it was also it kind of felt like this is our opportunity yeah, to absolutely. win even yeah. though I think it's it great that like you guys took sword. took that situation and t- whilst we shouldn't have had to have that yeah that mm. postal survey it's been amazing that people like yourself took the horns and turned it into what it became which was a huge celebration and, and a whole lot of people taking to the streets and showing how proud they were but also our allies joining us as well I think that was really incredible and you deserve yeah. a huge pat on the back mm. for that oh, thank and you. something we'll celebrate for yeah, you, you absolutely, know, yeah, now absolutely. that we have the anniversary like it's so strange to have yeah. the anniversary mm. of, of, of that year. decision and realise like that's something we're going to remember and, mm. and be a part of our and I'm so grateful history. that you, through the, the, the mental health issues that, that you and, and other organisers must have gone through after that, that instead of just going, well, we did what we said yeah. we were going to do, that's it. You've still got that drive to continue and start mm-hmm. fighting for other yeah. causes in the LGBTI Thanks. community. So yeah, thank you. It, no worries. It's interesting <laughs> though, because post-campaign, it seems obvious that there was a yes campaign. Yeah. yeah. But at the beginning, so many people were calling for a boycott and some real significant, mm. really well-known activists in the LGBTIQ plus communities we had to really fight against that and mm. I'm so glad we did because I think if we had have had a boycott, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Socially speaking, like you've mentioned, these protests growing from a grassroots movement of a couple hundred mm. to 30,000 and I think we're seeing that shift with people, like the general social political climate. People were being sort of called into action more and more. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about why uh, you believe it's so important to be active in these protests and the kind of protests that, that you um, organise? Yeah, I think it plays several roles. So one of the things that we've seen from people being involved in activism is the obvious things that it plays a role in changing politicians' minds, it change, mm. changes public opinions and we we saw public opinion during the marriage equality campaign going from a minority of people supporting marriage equality to the vast majority so it went from 
something like 28% to 40-something percent, and then it was 70-something percent. Mm. It, just, it, it varied uh, over yeah. the years, yeah. but we just saw if it wasn't for people being a part of that movement, encouraging their mm. friends and family, we would have only had people lobbying from behind the scenes and nobody yeah. would have known about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but one of the incredible things we saw over that period was there was all these activists that were just being born out of this campaign and they would go to these rallies and realize there's all these other people like them and there's all these other people that have their back and it was tra young trans people started getting confidence to start organizing and all of this um, happened in like 10 years. Yeah. And when it was you realize incredible. your voice isn't alone. Yeah, mm. yeah that's right. Mm. Um, and obviously the new religious discrimination bill seems to have sort of left the news cycle in Australia recently. But Ali, can you just break down exactly what is going to be proposed in the bill yeah. that they're putting forward? Um, they've actually, Scott Morrison released the second draft of the bill mm. and... Yeah. He flew to Sydney while Sydney was covered in smoke. They pushed it forward, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. and so everybody thought, oh, oh, he's going to Sydney. He must finally be going to say something about the bushfires. Yeah, yeah. When he got to Sydney, he made an announcement about the religious discrimination bill. So mm. I think he thought that it was going to go under the radar, mm, but in yeah. fact... A lot of people then started to read about it and they thought that there's something sus about this. Mm. And so I think more people are aware of it now, which I think is good for us mm. because more people are up in arms about it. But in the guise of so-called religious freedom, they are going to allow people to use religion as a way to discriminate. So it means people who are doctors, it means yeah. people who are service providers and schools and institutions to be able to sack people yeah. on the basis of their gender, sexuality, even disability, mm. even even women who might have left their partner, mm. their husband. If somebody who is religious, if the boss who's religious deems that to be sinful, mm. they would have the right it to sack people. So this is well worse than the marriage equality yeah. campaign. And I think it's really important that people really look into it and mm. look at some of yeah. the things that it can be used for. Um, the second draft is actually way worse than the first mm. draft. And I think... Um, because the initial draft, and correct mm. me if I'm wrong, but the initial draft that was put out there by Scott Morrison and, and his government was actually turned down, not because people were upset by it, but because mm. the, the people on the far right and, and the religious extremists felt that it wasn't harsh wasn't enough, strong enough. Yeah. correct? Yeah, that's yeah. right. That is scary that ScoMo's yeah. religious views aren't strong enough for yeah. some people. It was really scary. And one of the disappointing things was as well that some of the lobby groups who hadn't seen the bill but they were promised by politicians that it wasn't going mm. to be that bad put out press releases before they'd seen the bill saying, oh. don't worry, it's not going to be that bad. There's a few things we're going to have to fight around. Yeah, yeah. And so it meant that... People weren't prepared to yeah. fight and yeah. it was really disappointing. Now, thankfully, they've all come out and they've gone guns are blazing opposing yeah. it. But mm -hmm. I think it got us off to a really bad Slow start. start. And yeah. I think yeah. we just it just shows that we can't trust the government. Yeah. No, exactly. Because yeah, right. a lot of the changes in the in this second draft as well were notable noticeably in the health practitioners field. Yeah. So mm. So I think the scariest thing about looking at the second draft was, oh, they're mm. actually targeting our physical health mm -hmm. yeah. or our right to health services, mm. which yeah. is a really scary thought. And that these sort of bills are never about 
prohibiting discrimination. No. It's about making sure you're the one doing the discriminating. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. and and making sure that you're getting in first rather than stopping any sort mm, of discrimination. Yeah. So it's it's something I think we all have a, a, a duty to really read up on and, and make sure we know what's going on. What yeah. is going on with it. It's also fascinating because we, we're seeing the government put this forward, but then we're also seeing like um, you know, doctors' unions and, and, and health organizations and stuff saying, We don't want this. We're not asking for this. Yeah. You're creating these rules to allow us to discriminate when we don't want the right to discriminate. Mm-hmm. I think it was even was it the head of the Salvos or someone like that? Mm-hmm. ScoMo had used an example about a, a religious group, and I, I think it was the Salvos being able to use this thing, and they said Hey, don't get us in on this. We yeah. actually don't. We're, yeah, not even right. the salvos want it, no. you know. And I don't normally don't like them. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't even know. I don't even get who they think they're making this mm. for. So after we won marriage equality, they actually within days, um, I think it was within seventeen days mm, or something, okay. they put out an inquiry into so-called religious discrimination. No yeah. shit. Yeah. 17 right. days. Yeah. And so then these bills are a result of that inquiry. Yeah. Okay. And they publicly came out and told the no voters mm-hmm. that don't worry, we've got something planned for yeah. you. And this has been like, wow. this has been in the papers. Like yeah. it's, um, it's been documented. It's a pretty clear revenge mm-hmm. attack. Yeah. 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 So yeah. they're not even hiding it. Yeah. No. yeah. So it's, for the no voters and yeah. so it's for the George Christensen's and mm-hmm. all of the um, conservatives that were spitting chips on that day that we announced when they we won they the were like yes this is not the end of it yeah, yeah right but we and were do you think to get married yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they started planning yeah. do you this. think that this has sort of also been egged on by the Israel Folau thing they say he sort of seems to be the poster boy yeah. for it there's yeah. a cause yeah. in it that's called, yeah, called, called the Folau, the Folau cause. Cause. Yes. oh my um, gosh so they, it hasn't. Be, it's been dubbed the Falau Clause, yeah. but mm. it, it definitely was written with that in mind. So yes. it's interesting that it was supposed to have come out of an inquiry, but mm. it and then something that happened afterwards yeah. has influenced. Oh yeah. wow, yeah, that's really mm. dodgy. Yeah. So it basically, am I getting it right? Where it says if a company earns more than I think fifty million, yeah, mm-hmm. per financial year they are not able to control what your employees no. say. You won't be allowed to penalise that person. Penalise that kind of behaviour. And that, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, that's is that right. what's yeah. being double What a bizarre They put a monetary value on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is totally bizarre. And it's interesting that it's um, what you said about mm. doctors, nurses, like it's endless. Mental health services yeah. Yeah. would be able to deny people treatment, people that yeah. are seeking to be signed off on being allowed to get, for instance, tea or Mm. hormone therapy if they're trans. And we saw during the marriage equality campaign, it was trans kids that were targeted Mm. the most. And we're just going to see that happen again. And you can see they're trying to write it into law. So I think now I think there's not many people actually supporting it, but they seem to be Mm. trying to make it worse and Mm. worse with every draft. Mm. Some of the scenarios we're looking at are trans kids and even like gay and lesbian kids or anybody that might be perceived as queer being kicked out of religious schools that we're seeing the like people who are queer or even people with disabilities Mm -hmm. could get rejected from like they could be sacked from work and one of the things that We've been trying to get more people with disability, um, disability who fight around disability rights involved, um, is because 
there's been an ongoing thing with people from hardcore religions mm. that think that people having a disability is because they've somehow sinned in a previous life. Yeah, yeah. And so this could have major impacts on people at work, at school. And one of the scariest things is in, in terms of healthcare, there's a myriad of things that people can be rejected. People can be rejected from having abortions. People yeah. can be rejected from having access to any type of birth control. Mm. People can be discriminated against from having interracial marriages mm. if they believe, Gosh. if they can somehow argue that that is based on their religious yes. belief. And so these things cannot, how could, like, I don't even understand how these things could stand up in the court of law yeah. when the law is going to literally say, if these are passed, the law is going to literally say that you're allowed to discriminate against people mm -hmm. based on your religious belief. Mm, yeah. And how is a belief, like how... Yeah, 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 yeah I know, yeah. That's ridiculous. It's like, crazy. And your belief is your belief, but my existence is real. Yes. Like, you yeah. can't turn around and that's say just right. because you believe in something that what will affect me is okay. Like, that's ridiculous. Mm. Like, yeah. So I think that um, if that isn't enough, like that is only just some of the things, mm. but if that is not enough to make you angry and want to get involved, I don't believe that you <laughs> are a good person. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. listening to the wrong show. <laughs> yeah. Really. You've you know, misinterpreted our title. Yeah. Yeah. Once again. <laughs> I, I, I think it's that kind of interpretation because it does fly by your radar because you're like, mm. oh, this is a thing about like some Christian cake yeah, shop yeah. owner not wanting to make mm. a gay yeah. wedding cake and you kind of go, uh, I'm I just going to want to go to that yeah, cake yeah. shop. Anyway. I just won't go to that cake <laughs> shop. I don't yeah. really, you know, yeah. that's the first impression I had of a religious discrimination bill was mm. those cake shops. But then doing more research and realizing, no, this will affect people's employment, yeah. their health care. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's really important because uh, we're in a city, Melbourne, livers. Yeah. We, we have the luxury of choice. Um, we have the privilege of choice. Mm. But there are quite a few members of our community where that choice is not available to them. They may not have the choice of multiple wedding cake shops. Yeah. I'm, for example, yeah. or perhaps yeah. doctors, or, or doctors, yeah. for example, yeah. to make it, or a chemists, bit... or teachers, or yeah. If you live Absolutely. in a town with one GP and yeah. one yeah. chemist, yeah. and and you know, luckily we have things like telehealth now mm. that yes. you can get consultations. Mm. But you know, it's it's just it's mu it's far more serious, I think, yeah. than than people are realizing. Than yeah, people we have realizing. actually had people report to us that um, scenarios where there is only one chemist in their town, and they're a religious family chemist, mm -hmm. and and doctors and so on so it's not an unlikely scenario that this can happen like already that some there are some laws in place that allow discrimination based on religion and there are, there's a chemist in Thornbury who um here I am naming and shaming <laughs> I think I know this one I lived in Thornbury for a while I think I know they won't allow you to have the pill and they're allowed to do that already. So they're, wow. so it's going to be on a much larger scale yeah. yes. um, that we're going to see things like this. And if you're in the country, like in Thornbury, you can walk, you can walk up the road and go to another chemist. Mm. But if you're out in the country, you won't have that opportunity. Wow. Imagine not being able to access contraception yeah. in your town. Yeah, that's like, insane. That, that's a very possible reality. Mm. Um, yeah, or prep or any of these yeah. things. Mm. We have Harry in this episode as well talking about the bushfires. Do you believe that there is some engineering here in terms of 
the fact that this bill is progressing so quickly mm. in, in the in, background behind. in the background yeah. of environmental desire a state of emergency like it, it as a queer person it's hard not to feel like we're really getting the the thrown under the bus yeah. Yeah. at mm. the moment or that there's been some What's the word that you call it? Like political engineering? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there a, And very you, opportunistic time. Opportunistic. And, and to use something as tragic and as, as devastating as the bushfires as a, as a curtain to do fucked up things behind, I think is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen a politician mm. doing. But I'm keen to hear your thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> is, that, is that a correct... That's the like connection my brain's making. I don't know if that's an informed... Well, Connection. I think it is. I think that they're pretty well known for doing things like that. Yeah. Like when there's a perfect distraction, then they'll find a reason to... They know how to use the media. Yeah. yeah. So, And they've always got things up their sleeves that they're mm. waiting to push through when no one's looking. So I definitely think that it wasn't any coincidence that he announced that second draft mm. in Sydney yeah. while the bush while while the bushfires were uh, happening. It and, just makes your skin crawl. And he didn't yeah. make one comment about the bushfires no. until yeah. he was forced to come back from Hawaii. That's it. This is literally the plot of The Handmaid's <laughs> yeah. Tale. Like, this is what the under-the-eye yeah, government yeah. did was yeah. like distract you over well, here. Well, have you watched Years and Years? Yes. yes. Feels, I was just oh thinking it feels very much like Years it's and Years. Every, that. Everything that happens in the news these days, I'm like, oh my God, yeah. we're living in through Years and yeah. Years. It's happening. It's just... And Ali, what do you think the likelihood is of these bills becoming legislation? And like, is there a set sort of time frame that the government has for these? Yeah, so the time frame keeps changing and okay. I think they're going to potentially try and keep pushing it away. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be last year. And now they keep pushing it. And I think because um, Scott Morrison's popularity keeps dropping, yeah. um, be- obviously because of the bushfires, mm. um, I think that we have a real opportunity. If we can organise some serious, a serious fight back against it, that we can actually stop it from happening. I think mm-hmm, we're yeah. in a really good spot to call rallies, to be making a massive social media campaign Mm -hmm. and using all that energy we put into the yes campaign we know it's difficult for people Mm, and we know people are still struggling but we really need to stop this um i think that we need to look at it like that like we need it to stop like we can't we can't survive it Mm. like it's gonna have such a massive impact if we let it go through and the i think also sharing the information online so that members of our community are aware of what this bill actually like if 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 gay men put as much energy into sharing information about this as they did as hacking charlie (laughs) xx's google drive to get demos of vroom vroom yeah yeah we could have some real impact because they were taking public submissions on this mm. i think up until the end of this end oh, of very month yeah. yeah so uh you know if if you're involved in the health industry mm. for example mm. you can have submit your opinion on this bill mm. and um i think that's something as members working members and and just members of the community yeah. we should all be aware of mm. how our voices can be heard either via political protesting grassroots movements mm-hmm. social media campaign <laughs> little things called podcasts <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other thing i want to talk about is we live in a very scary time mm. where 13 year old girl who wants to save the world from being set alight yeah. is suddenly being harassed by mm. middle-aged people. men such yeah. as trump you know we've got brexit happening over in the uk right now and um our prime minister is uh, not a big a fan of our show, not no. a friend of our <laughs> podcast. No. So uh, it feels like 
I don't I feel like the more socially aware the younger generation is becoming we're also seeing this swing to the conservative mm. right yeah. um do you in your opinion do you see it as a pendulum that will with some of the things that are happening mm. now in term environmentally it'll start to swing back to the left or you know i just want you to pat me on the I, back and i tell think me so okay. and i really hope so but i think that it's been um well i think greta is amazing and mm. i think we all should be more like greta Absolutely. and Sharon. she's got she's got a thick skin and i think it's fabulous and mm. um, i'm very inspired by greta but i think with the far right growing internationally it is really scary mm. but i think that it can have an effect where it can start to mobilize younger people and i think that we also need to be inspired by that and be a part of it as well. We shouldn't just leave it all up to the young people. Yeah. We need to uh, yeah, yeah, see yeah. it as though we um, we are, we should also be fighting for their future. And I think that the environment movement has been fantastic. And I think that we need to tie all of these things in together. And because it's the capitalists are going to keep trying to fight us from every angle. And yeah. so I think it's important to not just fight for one issue i think we need to be a part of all of it all of it yeah the religious discrimination bill part of it has also been based on america's religious discrimination bills Mm -hmm. and we've seen it in new zealand and even i know everybody loves jacinda ardern but she even came out and made a statement she refused to oppose their religious discrimination bills and a number of politicians actually tried to ban conversion practices and Jacinda Ardern said, no, she thinks it's important to respect religious freedom. And I think that it's really scary. And it really does show how it can, some people can think it's a liberal idea. And I think when we see Muslims getting attacked on the basis of their religion, yeah. people are afraid to say mm. that they mm. oppose this. But I think we need to recognize that there's a, a difference between actual religious freedom and yeah. bigotry. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an interesting thing because just recently, I think it was the Church of Satanism yes. announced that if this bill does pass that they will use it in yeah. their every capacity. <coughs> it was the Church of Satan, and I think it was the um, like Sunshine Coast branch. Wagga Wagga <laughs> yeah. or something oh. branch said, if this passes, well, then we are legally a church, yeah. and as yeah. a re- recognised religion, we will use it to make sure that we have the full benefit of discriminating and, yeah. and in a way that, you know, that was very LGBT and inclusive. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it puts us into this really weird ground because... I think even the terminology of what constitutes a religion mm. in this country is very vague. That's right. Indigenous That's Australians have raised yeah. the exact same thing. And yeah. who is to tell them that their beliefs aren't a, relig- a religion? A religion. Yes. And so does that mean that when they try to knock down their sacred birthing trees, mm-hmm. they can physically stop the bulldozers yeah. from coming in? because? Yeah. It's against their religion. Mm. Yeah. Magda, Magda's your, your best mate, Magda, Magda, Zabansky Magda Zabansky has proposed the Church of Homosexuality. I love this oh, idea. So um, people, think, people think she's proposing herself as the head of the church. I mean, yeah. I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a problem with it. It'd but I wanted to go around and say, if, yeah. if we were to start a Church of Homosexuality, so we could benefit from this clause mm. as well, who yeah. would be our head figure? Well, I mean, oh. I'd put Ali up. Ali? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. well, let's try and beat the bills back first. And then if we And then we'll go that, down that path. Yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds good. Okay. Just as long as it's not RuPaul. I'm sick of saying no, that. No, not I can't RuPaul at the head. 
Um, just one final question, Ellie. I'm really intrigued to know because you have been an inspiration to me for many years with all the, this incredible work that you've been doing. What gives you the motivation? You know, we're so saturated these days with, with so many issues around the world and we, I think a lot of, of people do try to care, but sometimes we can feel very overwhelmed and it's very hard to get focused and get the drive up um, to, to actually get out there and do something. How do you keep motivated to, to do this sort of stuff and, and how can everyday queer people on the street do the same? Um, I see it as though I don't have a choice mm-hmm. yeah. and a, n- a number of people refer to me being as tireless, but I'm yeah. so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired all the time, yeah. but, um, I see that there's no other choice. Yeah. And I think that when Roz, Roz Ward, who's the, one of the founders of Safe Schools Coalition mm. approached me to start Rainbow Rebellion. I was just like, oh, no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> Can I do it? Can I do it? And then, and then she was like, oh, let's just see how we go. Yeah. Let's just start it and see how many people turn up to the rally. But then once the bug got in me, once we yeah. had that first rally, you can't stop. I couldn't stop. Yeah. And it's just and the more you read about the issue, the more angry you get mm-hmm. and the more... And then you start meeting new layers of people again, like the amount of people that have come along to these rallies already and told their stories. And some of them are slightly different to the people we met during the marriage equality campaign. Mm -hmm. And we've met nurses and doctors that work in religious institutions that are just like freaking out. And even people that go to religious universities that are queer are really worried. And Mm. those types of stories, you don't want to leave people Mm. with those risks. And so it makes you want to just keep fighting and anything to piss ScoMo off. Yeah. I, think. <laughs> I think that's pretty good motivation. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. The number of fuck ScoMo t-shirts oh, I saw yeah. in Midsummer. Amazing. Those individual connections that you have to, to people within our community can be really energizing, yeah. I think. Because you can get fatigue. You can Absolutely. get this sort of, I don't want to call it empathy fatigue, but mm-hmm. at a certain point, so, yeah. you yeah. kind of go but what about me? You know, like I've I've supported so much, but when you hear people's stories or when you're at a protest and and you hear someone speak really passionately or stay at home and read online and feel that anger, you can channel that into energy, I think really effectively. And and yeah, it's amazing work that you do. So thank thank you you so much for being there for our community. (laughs) Ellie, how can we help to join the fight for the Rainbow Rebellions? Well, look us up on Facebook. Um, we organise regular working bees and things mm-hmm. like that. And we're having a what looks like it's going to be a massive rally. At one point, we thought the bushfires might have extinguished our yeah. protest. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I think a lot of people are drawing those connections. And yeah. so it looks like it's going to be quite huge. So it's on February 9th if you're in... Melbourne mm-hmm. and in other states I think it's going to be on February 8th so mm-hmm. just look it up on Facebook yeah come along we're going to have homos against scomo amazing <laughs> Brilliant. so they're already popular we put up on Facebook that we were going to be selling them at the rally and people just could not wait and yeah. they pre-ordering us, them they forced <laughs> us to put in a make a um, an NFT page amazing and now like they, and they sold out within like so we've had to make another massive order so, yeah. so good so yeah we were worried that we weren't going to have enough funds to keep the, up the campaign but mm-hmm. we've worked out homos against ScoMo is that's the way it. to go <laughs> yeah, that's where the tagline girl we're yeah, in we're on board <laughs> yeah. 
Fantastic. Uh, well, thanks so much for coming in, Thank Ali. You. You're an absolute inspiration, and it's really good to have you come in and really break down this bill and let us know what it's about. So thank you so much. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, well, we've crammed a lot into this episode, um, yes, but speaking to two fantastic people uh, yes. who, you know, we're just so grateful for them giving up their time. Um, and their so, knowledge. And their knowledge Ooh, as well. Yeah, it. really great people. And lovely to see you boys again as well. Um, so we're going to slide straight into our after show, which is all about the Midsummer Festival and Midsummer Carnival and all mm. the dirty things that you boys got up to on the weekend. <laughs> but <laughs> until then, never. bye! bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.